welcome everybody, and thanks for joining us for the next episode of the Rocky Mountain Myrick Short Takes on Suicide Prevention Podcast. I'm your host, Adam Hawford, and joining us today, we have Dr. Matt Miller. Dr. Miller is the Acting Director for Suicide Prevention Program within the Office of Mental Health and Suicide Prevention, and uh, we're so pleased to have you back on the show, so welcome, Matt. Thanks. It's great to be here, and uh, we highly value our partnership with the Rocky Mountain Myrick, and are grateful for the opportunity to uh, to work with you yet again and engage in engage in this talk today. Excellent. So, I did want to begin with just a little look back. We had Matt on the show in 2018, and the focus of that was the Veterans Crisis Line and. Matt is the director of the Veterans Crisis Line, and I just wanted to kind of recap that a little bit, if you would, Matt. Yeah, boy, that uh, that uh, seems like a long time ago and yesterday, all at the same time. I I enjoyed that opportunity back in 2018 to to talk about the Veterans Crisis Line. You know, I am I am tremendously proud of the Veterans Crisis Line team and everything that they have uh, worked so hard in a, in a mission-focused way to uh, accomplish uh, across 2018 and 2019 fiscal years. That team has just made incredible improvements with um, uh, rollovers, for example. We had a, a year FY18 where we improved our, our rollover to backup call centers by 96% from FY17. And then just when you thought it couldn't get any better, the team this year improved it yet another 98%, uh, which practically means that we answered 99.98% uh, of uh, the phone calls coming into us, which uh, you take a look at uh, two, three years ago when we were at about 70% of phone calls, just a, a tremendous improvement made by Team VCL. We expanded across that time our, our call center and operations in Canandaigua, New York, to Atlanta, and then to Topeka, uh, Kansas. Uh, we've expanded our, our staffing upwards to now 900 plus. And again, just a, a highly mission dedicated and focused team that I, I think is unparalleled. Now it's, it's the world's largest, uh, crisis call center. Uh, around the corner, there's opportunities for us to take a look at that, which is coming with regard to what's called in, uh, federal legislation, the N11 uh, Act, and going to a national three-digit um, crisis um, call number, and the VCL will have a have a big part of in, in that. And there's also what we're what we're doing with the development of a uh, peer-based uh, call center uh, to augment that which we already do in the VCL. So. Exciting times in the recent past with the VCL and exciting times to come with uh, big uh, goals and, uh, and vision moving forward. Wonderful. Yeah, that's that's really exciting to hear all these updates and congratulations on, on the progress there. For today, we wanted to talk a little bit more about your 
uh, role, your new position as the acting director in the suicide prevention program, which is in the office of mental health and suicide prevention. And so, um, you know, I was, I was, uh, thinking a little bit back to the summer when, uh, I attended the VA DOD suicide prevention conference in the summer of 2019. And I heard your plenary speech and I really, uh, felt that, that impact, that power and, and the words, uh, you, you know, your message and call to action. I was wondering if, you know, not all of our listeners were going to be able to attend that. And if you could just remind us sort of what you spoke about at the conference. Mm. Well, thank you for, thank you for being there and thank you for the, the words of support with, with regard to that, what you heard. You know, one of the, one of the biggest messages emerging out of the uh, VA DOD conference, which as you know, uh, being there, uh, assembled about 2,000 people. It's the largest, it's the largest VA DOD suicide prevention conference, uh, on record. And the organizational, uh, team behind the scenes just did a fantastic job, I think, of, of putting together two and a half days of programming, addressing suicide prevention, uh, across the VA, the DOD, and across the nation as a whole. The the theme of the conference was uh, many roles, one mission. And it, it coincided then with the kickoff September's uh, Suicide Prevention Month, where the theme was Be There. I, the way that Be There and many role, one mission come together, I think, really nicely is with the message that says everyone has a role to play with regard to suicide prevention. Suicide in our country is a, is a national issue meriting a national discussion. And it's one where the, the key question should not be what can you do, like pointing the finger at someone else in terms of suicide prevention, but what can I do? And, and there is a role for all of us to play. With our Be There theme, it starts simply with uh, being there for the person most immediately next to you. And we, we shared stories and illustrations of, of small ways that we can be there for each other when you notice something that, that seems, that seems small noticing it and following up on it and reaching out to another human being can actually be highly uh, impacting uh, to them. And then that, that led then into talking about how we can work together across the VA and the DOD for transitioning service members, for veterans as a whole, and for the nation as a whole with addressing suicide prevention. Great. Yeah, it was that really collaborative feel of having, like you said, 2,000 people in the room, all dedicating in some ways their lives to, to suicide yeah. prevention within the veteran and military community. And yeah, uh, just quite, quite a lot of energy and momentum coming out of that conference. Um, yeah. And since that conference, we've uh, now seen the 2019 VA suicide data report. And so, yep. um, you know, want to acknowledge how much work remains on this issue and wondering if you could talk us through a little bit about what was in the suicide data report this year and and why that uh, really informs our suicide prevention efforts. Yeah. 
Yeah, so we're kind of walking walking through time here in this in this discussion in chronological order. Uh, so we had the VADOD conference. We went into the month of September then, and the Be There theme for Suicide Prevention Month. And then at the end of September, going into early October, we released the 2019 annual report, which was which was based upon data from 2017 and the CDC. I, I think that the report, as I mentioned when I was talking about the conference and Suicide Prevention Month, the, re- the report really highlighted the fact that a national discussion is needed on the topic of suicide. And the VA is in a uh, prime position to be a leader within this national discussion and to model and pioneer suicide prevention approaches therein. You know, the the 2017 report revealed that we had 6,139 veterans die by suicide in, in 2017. This is in the context, though, of 45,000, over 45,000 uh, Americans dying by suicide in 2017. Suicides become the 10th leading cause of death in the nation. Um, more telling to me is the fact that when you look at the causes of uh, death in our nation right now, suicide is the one of the 10 that is increasing each year. Since 1999, uh, suicide has been on the rise in the United States and in many cases internationally. From 2005 to 2017, there's been a 45% uh, increase across that time frame. Also troubling, looking at our nation, it's become the second leading cause of death for individuals aged 10 to 22. So again, a national discussion is uh, necessary, I think, on this topic and one that we're really using the annual report as a platform to open discussion regarding ways that we can work together using a public health approach to address the issue of suicide in the veteran population and in the nation as a whole. Yeah, thanks for thanks for that explanation. I feel like you, you touched on some really important points about this being really a national issue, and certainly veterans are an important group within that, but just thinking about this public health approach to suicide prevention as being bigger than any one organization or bigger than the VA, and, and also sobering to see how much work we've we still have to come. Yeah, it, that is sobering, but I also offer those individuals uh, on the research front those individuals on the clinical front and those working to tie together uh, research to practice. There there are, I think, some data points with, within the uh, 2017 report that, that I've come to refer as anchors of hope. I, I think that there are, there are points that demonstrate uh, that hard work is paying off and don't lose hope. I, case in point, we know that major depressive disorder or a depressive disorder is a notable risk factor for suicide. 
If you look at the data from 2005 to 2017, we see that individuals in VHA care have had a steadily decreasing rate of uh, suicide diagnosed with a depressive disorder. This is big. This is indicative that evidence-based care, that which we research, that which we put to practice, it works. It's meaningful. And it, that, that decrease converted to possibly 87 lives saved from 16 to 17. So if, if you take the rate of decrease and you say, what if, what if that didn't happen? from 16 to 17. What if that what if that work that we're doing with individuals diagnosed with a depressive disorder and in VHA care? What if it didn't happen? 87 lives might have been impacted to the point of death by suicide. So that that rate change is is making a life-changing difference from year to year. And I think that's a that's a point of encouragement for our teammates on the front lines, both with research and with practice. Uh, another point of encouragement, I think, we see that the rate of increase, suicides increasing across the nation, I've said that, but, but we've seen the rate of increase for individuals under VHA care is significantly lower than the rate of increase for individuals not under VHA care. So the rate of increase for individuals under VHA care, about 1.8%. Rate of increase not under VHA care, close to 11%. Again, a big difference, and that shows the work that we're doing matters. But yet you come back full circle to the public health approach, and the, public, the heart of the public health approach says, you absolutely must have those clinically based, research-driven and informed interventions. But beyond, on the universal level, you, you also need to have those community-based interventions. And really putting those pieces together encap encapsulates the, the goal of suicide prevention and the Office of Mental Health and Suicide Prevention into this next year. Yeah, I'm really glad that you explained it that way. First of all, just giving us that encouragement, that beacon of hope that we can make a difference. And also just sometimes people use this uh, public health approach and it's it's not always clear exactly what that means. And, I, and I'm, I really like the way you kind of put that together in terms of both the clinical systems and the community sort of universal systems need to all come together in yeah. one strat strategic approach. Yeah, I, I think a really, I, I think a practical applied example of that is, is as follows. You have clinically approaches that are, are so important and it starts on the, on the furthest end towards crisis and that's crisis intervention. So we have the VCL. We have the incredible work that the VCL has done and the growth that they've demonstrated over the last two, two and a half years as part of our overall suicide prevention plan. But you want to keep moving that to the left in terms of that which you're able to do. So as you move that to the left, you take a look at the what we're doing in the VA and VHA with same-day access. Same-day access to mental health care, for example. 
um, in 2018, we saw 824,000 appointments for same-day access in general mental health alone. That doesn't count the 180,000 same-day access appointments we had in primary care mental health integration. So you, you take a look at, at, at what we've been able to do when a veteran calls, I'd like to be seen today for mental health and it doesn't need to be in the emergency room or it doesn't need to be through a call to the veteran's crisis line. You take a look at what we're doing then in clinically-based interventions with our evidence-based work, CBTSP, and all the work that uh, has been done with research therein, and, and the development, and we're taking a look at um, moving that out into a telehealth approach across the nation uh, for increased access to CBTSP. But then now we start getting into the community-based interventions. And for that, take a look at what we're doing with the state and the governor's challenges. With the governor's challenge, we've reached seven states thus far. And we have a plan to reach 28 over the next two years. What we're doing with that is governors are appointing leadership teams across their state to represent their state to present together to an academy hosted by SAMHSA and the VA where suicide prevention facts, tools, strategies will be discussed. And each state will emerge from that academy having formed a draft action plan applied to their state for suicide prevention. And VA representation will be present in those as well. So you'll have your chief mental health officer from the VISN at these academies and participating. So it ties together the VA with SAMHSA and with state government, as well as community partnerships therein. So really looking forward to that. And I think walking across that continuum gives you an idea of where we've been and where we're going here. Yeah, that's fabulous. And and as you're talking, I'm kind of making little a little sketch, you know, kind of like this, this little like, and, and it is, that is what public health approach is. But sometimes people don't see it so visually where you have this sort of integrated sort of spectrum of support across all these different levels. And then, you know, ultimately they come together and form like an amazing safety net for suicide prevention and and that's just a great way to to kind of see it along this this spectrum yeah you got it that's that's the that's the visual we're trying to create based upon the belief in the underlying paradigm of the um, continuum across the the select and the few all the way to the universal right so I want to touch on a couple of the other uh, universal approaches. So uh, one of the things I heard about recently was a, a big public messaging campaign that the Office of Mental Health and Suicide Prevention has headlined. And I was wondering if you could tell us a little bit about that. Well, we have a we have a couple. Uh, one that I'm particularly um, proud of, and I think it, it represents a, a direction where there's so much opportunity. That's a, the relationship that we've developed with NSSF with regard to lethal means uh, safety. We know that veterans uh, who die by suicide, 70% of the time, firearm is uh, the mechanism by which they die. 
talking with veterans and families about lethal means safety, time and space between uh, person and firearm, between firearm and ammunition, truly can be life-saving. We know that in a lot of uh, situations where someone moves from suicidal ideation, thoughts about suicide, to uh, a plan, to intent, once that intent is established, moving then to action typically occurs within five to 60 minutes. If, if we can implement time and space and by five to 60 minutes, one situation at a time, we will save lives. So that, that's, a, that's a big focus for this upcoming year with um, paid media and public service announcements is that which we can do together, um, addressing lethal means, lethal means safety, lethal means access. I know that's an area of research as well in the clinical setting uh, for the Rocky Mountain uh, Myrick. I think it's uh, Joe's doing some really good work with that, taking a look at um, training clinicians and, and practitioners more effectively and how to engage conversation, discussion with veterans regarding lethal means safety and um, safe storage. Absolutely. I really like how you can take sort of this lethal means aspect of suicide prevention and still even then think about it across these multiple public health approach levels. So like you mentioned, you have sort of the yeah. messaging to the public, but then you also have the context of clinical conversations and, and how that looks and, and all the way down to crisis level care for people yep. who may be at imminent risk. So, yep. Yeah. To the point that it's part of the safety plan that's engaged with the uh, VCL callers and responders to the point that VCL responders engage uh, lethal means safety training. That works up to how can we better engage and train mental health practitioners to address this issue. Moving then more to the left, how can we train and engage emergency rooms and primary care providers in this type of conversation? And then beyond, how can we engage communities uh, such as the NSSF? How can we pull this into uh, that which we're doing in the state, the governor's challenges? How can we learn from different approaches to legislation? For example, the way that maybe New York State approaches it versus how other states approach it. What does the data tell us about that and how does it inform what the states may consider doing? So yeah, same, exactly the same. Uh, starting from crisis and then moving to the left across the public health continuum. Absolutely. And I really like how you keep turning back to this idea of a data-driven and evidence-based approach where, you know, again, we have some evidence that safety planning does actually prevent suicide attempts in, in long-term follow-up. And, and we do know that uh, other, other evidence-informed strategies really do work. And, and I like the idea of using this data to inform our future efforts. Yeah, and that's 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 what is core to the public health approach, right? Data-driven 
um, surveillance and converting that then into strategic planning uh, across the across the spectrum. And it's really an important aspect of the Rocky Mountain Myrick as well. You provide us with a lot of data information that we need to better inform our suicide prevention plan. A big goal of Dr. Kearney and mine and Dr. Carroll's is, is to increase the uh, synchronization between uh, the suicide prevention program and our COEs as well as our Myrex. Wonderful. Well, I can... I am sure we are happy to be a part of that of that partnership, and and I think uh, uh, another big theme that keeps coming up today is just how important partnerships are in this process. And I, I want to take a moment to thank the Office of Mental Health and Suicide Prevention Public and Private Partnerships Group for organizing this podcast today. And I was wondering if you could just you know dive even a little bit deeper on how how some of this partnership infrastructure exists within these mayors and governors challenges and and how this all moves the needle forward for us yeah the, the our partnerships team is a is a team that is dedicated every day they come to work and when they come to work what they're dedicated to is furthering the work of suicide prevention by building the bridge between the va and the community that gets us together where we're trying to go collectively uh, within this mission. And not only do they build those bridges, but then they maintain those bridges. And then in maintaining, they increase uh, traffic, if you will, uh, across the bridges. And then as they increase the traffic, they expand the bridges. So they're, they're in this constant process of taking a look at our mission, our strategic plan, and then asking what bridges do we need to build? And then the second question is, how do we increase traffic uh, efficiently across these bridges and maintain the bridges? And then the third question is, how do we expand the bridges based upon the increased traffic? All the while, they're, they're hitting repeat. They're repeating that same process, partnership after partnership. So if, if anything that we do, we know that it, it's one thing to have a great idea. It's one thing to put something down on a napkin or on, on paper and say, here's what we need to do. The hard work is not necessarily coming up with the idea. The hard work is forming maintaining and expanding the relationships that are required to put the rubber to the road to kind of finalize the uh, traffic and um, journey sort of uh, analogy there. So that's what they that's what they do on a daily basis and uh, how that ties into the state challenge is they do the hard work behind the scenes when everyone leaves the academy and says, well, this, this is what looks good on paper. Now, how are you going to get it done? They maintain those, those bridges. I think a, a really good example of that that ties in and resonates with uh, the, the Rocky Mountain Myrick probably is, is what's being done with uh, the Together with Veterans program. The Together with Veterans program takes some five really core 
strategies and goals for suicide prevention, but then uses partnerships within the communities to make those goals, to bring them to fruition. And our partnership team then works closely within those efforts to offer support as well. Excellent. Yeah. And thanks for the, for the shout out to together with veterans and, and yeah, they are, they are doing that uh, within rural communities, which is, which is, yep. even, uh, you know, more special. Yep. Um, so, and the, the other thing that came to mind as you were saying some of that was uh, again, thinking back to the VA DOD uh, suicide prevention conference and just seeing those partnerships coming to life within the exhibitor hall and just seeing how many organizations were there that were from the community, you know, veteran-driven organizations like Objective Zero, and just seeing how how involved the community is in in this uh, comprehensive suicide prevention effort. And, yeah, uh, I really enjoyed that and meeting with some of them. Yeah, the community, the community, we we don't have a problem going out to the community and saying, uh, "Will you help us? Is this something that you believe in?" That, that's not an issue uh, that we have we have people coming to us and responding to us all the time saying what can I do to help how how can I join the fight how can we help with this so that's that's where it's uh, ongoing uh, dialogue and coordination with the community and I, I think that that is what's going to continue to move us forward in this fight Absolutely. So just uh, I, I want to take a moment to kind of talk about the future a little bit. So we we've talked a little bit about, uh, you know, what the data tells us and where we are right now. But I'm curious about your vision looking ahead to the future, uh, you know, this year and beyond. Yeah, well, I, I think we starting at the VCL, uh, we want to take a look at uh, and continue to keep an eye on what the impact of N11 is going to be. The FCC has submitted their recommendation after doing a feasibility analysis uh, for uh, moving forward with this and potentially using the 988 digits. What that will do is that will create a national three-digit number for um, crisis call centers to be unified uh, organizationally, if you will, and then for calls to be disseminated locally based upon the um, N11 number. What we anticipate in the VCL is that uh, we're probably going to see an increase in call volume as a result. Stands to reason the number is easier to remember and more people will be using it instead of being um, uh, bifurcated across different 1-800 numbers. So we'll be keeping an eye on that in the VCL, and at the same time, we'll be developing our peer-based uh, call center uh, so that we can focus on uh, improving our outreach, uh, caring contacts. We know from the research that caring contacts for individuals who are high risk for suicide as a follow-up can be extremely effective, and we'll be looking at developing that in a systematic way. Uh, through the peer-based uh, call center that we're developing across the next year, year and a half. Uh, from uh, a clinically-based perspective, 
We're looking at uh, increasing, widening, broadening the dissemination, the availability, the provision of CBTST across uh, VHA facilities and uh, uh, visions. We'll be taking a look at telehealth as a way for us to do that. We'll also be looking at ways that we can support the field with uh, staffing, both for suicide prevention staffing and for outpatient mental health staffing. For those facilities that are above the staffing ratio, we'll be looking at ways maybe we can support creative proposals for the development of evidence-based uh, clinical interventions within the VHA setting. On the community-based front, we're moving towards a plan where 50 out of 50 states will have uh, engaged and implemented the governor's challenge. And we'd really like to move to a place where each vision has developed a vision-specific and tailored plan for a community-based intervention approach, whether it be one that looks somewhat like together with veterans, or maybe it looks a little bit more like what we're doing with Vision 23 right now and what's called the Peru pilot. So we'll be looking over the next uh, two, three years to expanding that sort of approach and engaging the visions. And what are your ideas and, and how would this look across your vision and how can we best support you? Yeah, that's that's wonderful to hear. And, and I love uh, going full circle back to the idea of how the VA can really be a pioneer in some of these efforts that, you know, peer-based call centers, telehealth, and evidence-based therapy implementation, and just just coordinating these these, these large partnerships across communities. So, uh, you know, I'm really excited and I'm, I'm really thankful and grateful that you were able to join us today to, to give us a, a nice update on the state of suicide prevention within the VA. Well, thank you. I did. Thank you for the opportunity. Thank you for the research that is done that, that informs and fuels everything that we've talked about today. So, um, my thanks is uh, is due to you um, much more than yours to me. Thank you. You're welcome. And, and again, you know, I think it's uh, it's helpful that you just put it down in words so well. And I, I hope as well that our listeners are kind of have a. It went from maybe a little bit of an amorphous like what is the public health approach to a little bit more like oh this is this is really uh, actionable steps that are that are happening every day and will continue to to flourish as we move forward. You hit the nail on the head. I hope so. That's what we need to do. Convert big ideas and concepts into actionable steps that are evidence-based. Excellent. So before we let you go for today, do you have any closing thoughts or maybe uh, inspiration to, to folks working the front lines in suicide prevention to help, to help keep them motivated and, and hopeful about the future? Yeah, you're, you're making a difference. You're, you're making a big difference. Everything that you are doing on a daily basis is indeed saving lives. I, I go back to, I go back to the example of individuals diagnosed with a depressive disorder, 87 lives saved. I go back to the example of the rate of increase being much lower for those within VHA care. That means you're saving lives. I go back to the example of the VCL answering 99% of phone calls. 
you're talking over a month, that's 60, 65,000 phone calls. That's saving lives. Universal screening and what we're doing there, 3.8 million veterans so far in, in not even full implementation yet have been screened through universal screening. Out of that 3.8 million, about 120, 130,000 have had the full three steps of the process and most importantly within that have developed a tailored safety plan and treatment plan as a result. That could be 120, 130,000 lives saved through that which is done universal screening. Those individuals that are on the front lines and they're, they're meeting those same day access needs at a rate of 84, 824,000 a year. Great work being there for veterans who say, yes, I'd like to be seen today. So is it worthwhile? Yes. Is there hope? Yes. Right on. Okay, Matt. Well, again, we, we so appreciate you coming on to the show today. Listeners, you can take a deep dive into a lot of these topics. We'll, we'll be sure to include some links so you can read up more on all the things we've talked about today. And um, until next time, join us for more important interviews in folks dedicating their lives to suicide prevention.